Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, today we've got on the show uh, the editor-in-chief of Script Magazine and senior editor at Writer's Digest. She is the co-founder and moderator of the weekly Twitter screenwriters chat, hashtag ScriptChat. And she's also a Page Awards finalist, as well as a Sundance Episodic Lab semi-finalist herself. She is Jeannie Vallette-Bowerman. Thanks for coming on, JVB. Hey, it's good to be here. So, uh, it's been a long time. We've we've talked about this for a couple years now, having you yeah. on the podcast. So, it's great to finally have you on. Oh, great to be here. I've always admired your work. Well, I, I appreciate that. The, the feeling is mutual, everything you do for writers, and as well as being a talented writer yourself. So, it's great to have you on. We're going to get into everything screenwriting from your perspective uh, as an editor of multiple uh, writers magazines, as well as the uh, moderator of hashtag script chat, although I just call it script chat, you know, because I'm casual like that, <laughs> as well as being an award uh, uh, recognized finalist of multiple competitions, uh, screenwriting competitions, as well as being a writer yourself and being involved in numerous pitches and options and all that good stuff. So let's get started, shall we? Sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. So Jeannie, tell me, where did you get your start in terms of your writing career? How did you decide you wanted to be a writer and where did you get your start? I had a, a more unusual path, you know, like um, I think there's like those people who know that they want to do this when they're young and then they get that support from people around them to do it. And and then there's the people who, you know, maybe want to do it when they're young and don't get the support. So they end up doing it later. Um, I would say uh, I'm kind of a cross between like I, I always wanted to be a writer. My dad was extremely supportive of it. My dad um, recently passed, but before he was a writer um, uh, and worked, wrote, writing a regular little column for our local paper until he was, I think he stopped when he was 88. So, um, the, the writing bug has been in my family for a very long time. And, um, he was very encouraging of me to, wanting to be a writer, but was, we're also very practical people like, oh, you must get your degree in something that you can really make money at you know, like, and have a living, you know. So I went to Cornell Hotel School and um, I ran a motel and restaurant for 15 years. Wow. And yeah, and actually I didn't do really any writing during that time. I, I did a lot of charcoal drawing and watercoloring and painting. Um, and then um, when I was going to age myself a little bit, when I turned 40, I was like, okay. I think, you know, I've always wanted to write. Like, why am I not writing? Like, I could write. And so I um, I reached out to one of my friends from Cornell and who had started uh, pursuing screenwriting as a second career. And um, she's like, well, write because I want to write a novel. And she's like, oh, write a screenplay. They're so much easier. And now that <laughs> – exactly. And at the time, you know, you you – I could see how somebody could look at that, you know, no judgment on that statement. Cause I could see how somebody could look at, Oh, a novel's 400 pages. A screenplay is 110, you know, right. and look at all that white on the page. Of course it's gotta be easier. There's not as much stuff. And as you start writing, you realize, well, there, there's so many rules. And, um, and so my first screenwriting book was screenwriting for dummies. And, um, and I just started reading through it and then, you know, 
read other ones like Dave Trottier and Dara Marks Inside Story and, you know, just started reading everything I could read. And in tw- so in tw- 2009, this thing called Twitter came to my attention and I joined Twitter and every day was able to really learn something new um, about writing from somebody in the industry. And that's how I got my first break in um in magazine writing because Jane Friedman, who was the then publisher of Writer's Digest, um, you know, saw me tweeting. We became friends on Twitter and um, I always tweeted about tequila back then. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, she offered me an article in uh, one in the print magazine, Writer's Digest. So that was my first published article. Um, So I went right right to the top of writing articles right in the beginning. And um, she was incredible. And when you talk about people in your life who've had an impact on you, um, she has had an enormous impact on, on not just my, my, you know, magazine writing and article writing, but also my screenwriting because she's the first draft of the article I sent her. She responded back and said, Hey, this is really great. This is like Twitter. Cause it was about how to use Twitter. It's like Twitter one Oh one great instructional, you know, educational article, but I, I want the, I want the G, the Twitter pimp angel writing voice that you use in your blog that you use in your tweets, like, you know, and she's really the person who encouraged me to embrace my unique writing voice. And, um, even in, in nonfiction magazine articles, you know, right. um, and that was huge. I think that's a lesson that a lot of writers um, don't embrace and learn until later. So I was really uh, fortunate to learn that pretty quickly. Um, and and then I was also extremely fortunate to have, you know, some really supportive, good writing partners along the way. Like that first writing partner I was telling you about, like she, she you know, was very versed and, and taught me a lot of things. And, and then I started writing with... Um, Doug Blackman, who wrote the Pulitzer Prize winning book, Slavery by Another Name. So here I was writing an adaptation of his book, and um, and he was a senior national correspondent of the Wall Street Journal. So it's hard not to learn things from someone like that, you know, of that pedigree. Mm-hmm. So I just, an unknown screenwriter on Twitter is now my writing partner. And um, he used to work with Roland Joffe and, and, um, and he was a ghostwriter for many, many years. Um, even going up for jobs against Carrie Fisher. So his experience, you know, and Doug Richardson, Die Hard, writer of Die Hard 2, is a good friend of mine who I met on Twitter, who I've also learned a ton from. I mean, I, so I never went to school for this, but um, I learned a lot from some incredible, generous mentors and a lot of reading. Right, right. And Quentin Tarantino, a lot of the great filmmakers and writers have never gone to film school for it. So yeah. I, I don't think you're, I mean, and you probably have had a lot of people on here who have gone to film school. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, we've had, it's a great mix and some people are writers in different fields. Like they may have yeah. gone for some sort of creative writing or journalism or something like that. And, you know, a magazine, former magazine editor, we, you know, will transition into screenwriting. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah. it comes from all over, Writing, Great writing is great writing, I think, but you just have to learn the different mediums and formats that you want to work in. Yeah. And I, do, and there's a lot of people who ask me, like, do you have to go to film school? Do you have to get your MFA in screenwriting? You know, right. I mean, I think that, I think that there are certain schools that, um, 
it is a really you you can you can get an advantage by that because of the network of the people that you're with, like AFI or USC, right. you know, yeah, UCLA. But if you're going to like SUNY Binghamton, you know, a, a state school in New York, right, that's you're probably not going to get the advantage of of a network, you know, or instructors teaching at and no dig on SUNY. I mean, I, I'm I'm in New York State, sure, <laughs> but. But just that you're not because of where it's located, you're probably not going to get those kinds of instructors who who really have walked the walk or really can give you some great advice. So it depends to me. It depends on what school you're going to. That's 100 percent right. I mean, people ask me, having gone to USC film school. uh, Yeah. You know, how much of an advantage or what did I learn there? And I think that a lot of the basics you can learn at any film school, no matter where you are, full sail in Florida, or right. you can learn it, like you said, sunny. Yeah, I don't know what city you named, uh, which particular yeah, campus yeah. you named. But, you know, or if you go to Syracuse or you go to wherever, you can learn uh, a lot of the same things. I think what it does, what is different about USC and NYU and AFI and those types of schools, which is what you mentioned, which is a network, because, right. you know, when I was at USC, you know, I was in the same class with uh, Eric Kripke and, and uh, Rick Famuyiwa and uh, Ross and Marshall Thurber and uh, Ryan Johnson and, you know, people like that. Yeah. So and you know, I remember one in one week just having there's guest fireside chats and guest speakers. And I remember Jim Cameron and Oliver Stone and it was somebody else, Harrison Ford, I think, all in the same week. And you don't wow. get that at a lot of other schools, you know, get yep. to sit in on a little fireside chat with 20 or 30 people, listening to them talk, asking questions and engaging. I mean, that's yep. sort of unusual. It's incredible. That's not yeah. to say that you can't make it elsewhere. Obviously, you can hone your skills by reading scripts, by writing, continue, because that's really what it comes down to is continually writing and continually working at it and getting better and better, hopefully, uh, as you progress and as you write every new draft and every new script and every new project. But yeah, the network you build going to a school yeah. like USC is really the the benefit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was just talking, do you know Madsen Tomlin? I don't. He um, just wrote the, the Batman the new Batman that he wrote the screenplay for oh, cool. the, the Batman and he's uh, um, just got um, brought on to write a script and adaptation of, I can't remember what it is. It's based on a comic book. It's like the meme. I'm going to butcher it. I'll, I'll have to look it up and email you what it right. is. But anyway, Madsen, I first met him on Twitter when he was 19 years old. Wow. And yeah, he DM'd me. It was really early when I just started on Twitter. I think I'm not sure I even start, I'm not sure if we had started script chat yet. Maybe I think we must have started script chat because we started that that first year I was on Twitter. And he DM'd me about having a um, raising money for a short film. Hmm. And um, he's like, I'm a 19 year old filmmaker, and I was just like, I'm a mom, you know. So I was just like, awesome, <laughs> you know, right. like this is great. My kids are younger than that, but I was like, yeah, this is great, and. And so I'd never really even, this is 2009, I'd never donated to a crowdfunder before or anything like that. So he was my first crowdfunder that I donated to. And then we kept in touch over the years. I introduced him to people on Twitter. He introduced me to people. And we just, when he when he was in New York, going to NYU, when I was in New York, I'd meet up with him. We'd have drinks and we just always stayed in touch. And, and then he moved out to, he, the reason I bring him up is because we're talking about ways to break in. And he started entering Sundance episodic, no, not episodic, the Sundance feature lab. Mm -hmm. 
when he was 13. And every single year he entered a script every single year. Hmm. And, and he's one of those people. When I mentioned there's those fortunate ones who know what they want to do when they're young. Right. And, um, he was always focused, knew this was what he wanted to do. Never wavered. He created films, created his art all throughout the way, ended up at AFI. And now he's, he made the blacklist and he's repped and he's a working screenwriter. And, um, it's just, I'm so in awe of what he's accomplished simply because he just kept forging straight ahead. Right. You know, and he, he was focused and knew what he wanted. And, um, so he's an example of, you know, definitely a really strong example of when you know what, that you want to do something. And he's also a really good human being, a very nice, lovely person who, who makes, you know, that I think also is a component of someone's success. If there's somebody who, like I always say, just don't suck, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who, who just is a good person that people want to help and they want to be around and they enjoy working with because they're collaborative and not defensive. And, you know, and that is like, so it's like a combination of, you know, tenacity and talent, but also personality, you know, and being in the right place at the right time too. There's a lot of luck that's involved in this, in this industry as well. Sure. Timing and the timing of your project. You know, if you've got this, like for me with Slavery by Another Dame, you know, it's a passion project of mine and that's the Pulitzer Prize adaptation. And, and, um, you know, I can't, people say to me, why don't you know, move on from that? And, you know, yeah, certainly I've moved on from it. I'm, I'm writing other things and, but it's still there and still something that I'm really passionate about, but I'm a white woman from upstate New York. And I've written a story about, you know, slavery turned prison leasing after the civil war. So it's, it, you know, there's a lot of things that, um, timing has been, uh, a little difficult for us in this, um, you know, the, the climate that we are, um, in with, with when I first started the project, no, everyone was like, I had a top agent at paradigm. Tell me nobody wants to make a black film. Right. And, and now look, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like that our timing was always a little bit off, but it's one of those projects that I feel like, you know, it's super important and, and all the places we've pitched it, you know, we've had some incredible, I've had an incredible journey and experience with this project because it opened a lot of doors for me and got me into a lot of incredible pitch meetings with um, fabulous production companies and, and producers and um, that taught me a lot about the industry. And that one project I would say was probably my master's in, in screenwriting. Right. You know, in terms of not just writing, but like you had mentioned, going to pitch and these are all, things that as a, as a writer you're for hopefully you will experience and that'll be part of also your learning experience because that's something that uh, yeah you know a screenwriting yeah. book can't teach you necessarily oh yeah i wrote an article for script years ago called dear new screenwriter where i talk about i went back and wrote a letter to myself about all the things that i'm gonna can i swear on here <laughs> Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, good. <laughs> all the things that I'm going to fuck up on and right. all the things that, 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 you know, but don't worry, you're going to fuck up again. Like, you know, like right. it's, and it's, um, and that's part of it. You know, like I, I say to my kids, I have never learned anything from my successes. I have, but I have learned incredible lessons from my failures. Right. And, and that's the whole thing. I mean, whether you're screenwriting or, or, 
you're a plumber. I mean, I don't care what you are. You, you learn from the mistakes that you make and then you do better. Right. Well, if you wrote that several years ago, maybe you should do a new update because I've found that no matter when, at what point you are in your career, when you think, oh, yeah, I've, I'm actually pretty good at this. And then a couple of years later, you look back and you're like, yeah, I didn't know what I was talking anything. about. You're right. I didn't know anything back then. Like, and- I kind of feel like it takes about eight years to really know how to learn how to screenwrite. Yeah. Like, I I don't know what it is about that number, but when I look at some of my friends who stuck with it, a lot of people, a lot of people stop before then. Sure. And um, the ones who stuck it out and kept writing and, you know, you can see this incredible advancement and growth in their talent um, after about the eight, seven, eight year mark, you know? Yeah. To me, I think that's, that's probably a good average, but I think if like there, I know writers who have written uh, um, other mediums you know they've been a novelist or you know they've written plays or they've written and magazine articles you know they've they've been a journalist or something they tend to pick it up substantially faster obviously structure is different but they're they've been a writer professional writer Uh, or those that like you said with your um uh the young friend i don't remember his name uh yeah who wrote a script every year to turn into Sundance, submitted to Sundance every year. I think that's part of the success of younger people. And I say younger, meaning literally younger, because they have more time. They don't have as many responsibilities <laughs> as somebody with a family, a job, you know what so I mean? True. So they can focus solely on that. The, all of their energy goes to that. You know, they eat, they sleep, and then they do that. And so they may also pick up a little bit faster although again the maturity level and the life involved uh meaning they don't have as many life experiences to right. bring into their stories and their character characters and things so that may yeah, be sort of a drawback but and they're definitely like you know and this is probably something i should write about there's like the mm-hmm. that different um career paths for people who are young and know that that's what they want to do and they can make those changes those leaps those risks of moving to LA and because you don't have a wife you don't have kids you don't have a mortgage you know um or a husband you know like whether you know regardless of whether a man or woman but the that you know then then there's someone like me by the time I figured out this is what I wanted to do I had a mortgage I had aging parents I had you know two children I could you know my life was here like in New York I couldn't just pick up and move right. you know and there so there's a, another a different path for people like that you know I think one of the beautiful things about online communities is um you can get that support um as a as a a parent you know far outside of LA that wouldn't have been available, you know, before. Right. Um, like there's a group of, of, uh, female, uh, filmmakers and, and, and artists that who I belong to called story broads. And they're, they're incredible with supporting each other, letting each other know, okay, here's when the next contest is here's, you know, and then at the same time, if they've got a kid who's sick, they, they give each other advice on that too. You know, like it's all about just supporting each other um, in and out of the arts and, and supporting each other's life outside of the arts to allow us to stay in the arts, you know, coming up with ideas and suggestions and thoughts about how to juggle it all. Right. Well, and going back to that, maybe we can expand on that a little bit, but again, seeing a 19 year old go to film school and grow and become a successful working 
in-demand screenwriter and your own trajectory, you know, having a career before you even started, you know, uh, the screenwriting journey. Uh, what do you see as sort of those advantages and disadvantages and tracks for both? I mean, I feel like when you're young, you know, you can be young and know what you want to do. But if you don't have the confidence to take the risks, you're you're not going to be able to do it. I don't care how great of a writer you are. There's a lot of it that I think has to do with confidence and mindset. Right. And regardless of your age. And when, But a lot of times younger people are um, either not confident enough, you know, uh, to, to see or to, or, you know, to see those opportunities that are right in front of them, you know? Um, but if you can find, but if you can be, you know, find some sort of, you know, if you're, if you don't have that confidence, my advice would be to try to find some sort of mentor who, who does, and who's super supportive. A lot of times people, I think, don't have a lot of um, support within their family because their family might be practical and they might say, Hey, you can't make money doing this. This is, you're going to be writing a whole bunch of spec scripts. And, you know, it's like, you know, lightning in a bottle to get one sold or, and then to get it made, you know, you could, then you could also sell it and it could never get made. And then, sure. then what, you know? Right. And I mean, there's, I think you kind of have to tune out your practical side a little bit. And, um, you know, that's where the balls of steel comes in, you know? <laughs> You know, right. we have to just kind of sometimes unabashedly just push forward as if it's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I think when you're older, you have a lot more life experience, you know? And um, when I write, I try to, it's all about making people feel. And and based on some of the experiences that I've had, you know, that are, that are uh, you know, moving in some way, you know, and you can't. I think something when you're older that might be easier for some people, but maybe not, you know, about like, you know, I always say I rip open my wounds and hand my readers a salt shaker so that, you know, I don't like somebody said to me the other day, they read something that I had written on my blog before I transitioned it over into more of a writing blog, but I left all those personal essays up there. Um, and they're like, God, I read one of them and it was just so sad. And so I just, oh my God, I was like crying reading it. And like, why would you put something up like that? And I said, because that's the whole point. Like you have to, you have to make people feel something or what is the point of writing? And if I can't go to those uncomfortable places as a writer, how can I push my characters into those uncomfortable places? You know? Like you, if you protect your protagonist, that story is going to be pretty boring and nothing is really going to come out of it. That's going to be of any interest to anybody who wants to read it, you know? Right. And so like when you're older, I think it's, it's about, um, figuring out time management is huge, you know, figuring out how are you going to juggle the day job? Like I have a very demanding day job and, um, and now that I work at Script and Writer's Digest as part of under my umbrella of the same job, they're not two separate jobs. Um, it is very demanding, and um, and you got to just figure out, you know, what your what your priorities are. And sometimes I struggle with that. You know, everybody does. I mean, I don't get my ass in the chair every day to write. You know, and um, actually today I started a new routine, trying to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> But and you always have to do that. Like you can't beat yourself up for letting life 
you know, get in the way sometimes, you know, because sometimes you can't just pause life so that you can go write that idea. But I think the one thing piece of advice that I would give to any writer, regardless of what their age is, is don't waste your time writing something that isn't a really great concept. And, you know, they always say like, write what you know. Well, most people in the novelist world, uh, so many people write memoirs and our memoirs you know, capable of being fantastic? Absolutely. But most people's lives aren't that interesting. And, um, and you, so you have to really think about, you know, one of my friends said that his manager makes him go through literally like a hundred ideas before they come up with the idea that he should spend the next year on, Right. you know, it's a huge investment of your time. So why bother writing something that you don't think is going to be, um, marketable and, and the, the other thing, and I'm sure, you know, I don't know if we're going to get into this later, but like, you know, how the industry is changing and, you know, we've, you and I've spoken before about, you know, writing in different mediums. Mm -hmm. Um, it has never been a more important time for a screenwriter to do that. Never. There's you, you should be taking your screenplays and turning them into novels and self-publishing them or turning them into novels and trying to get an agent for your book and traditionally publishing it. But your story is already, you've already done the hard part. You've, you've already written your story and you have a screenplay version of it, which makes a fantastic outline for a novel. Mm -hmm. So therefore you should just write it as a novel because what's it doing sitting on your hard drive? Hollywood loves intellectual property and they love to adapt intellectual property. You have a book in the making, just write it. It's, and honestly, I did that and it is so liberating because you can now crawl into your character's head and say how they're feeling. Right. <laughs> you can write about all these things that you've never been able to write about. You can indulge in flowery prose. You don't have to have a bunch of white on the page. But as screenwriters, we already know how to write cinematically. We know how to make something a fast read. We know how to make the page have to turn. That the end of every chapter, you make it a little bit of a cliffhanger so they have to turn the page to read the next chapter. When I write, whether I'm writing a novel or, or a screenplay, I literally imagine someone standing behind me with a remote control. At what point are they going to change the channel? Did I just bore them? Right. You know? I mean, you got to... And I think as screenwriters... You know, we can do that and people consume content now so much quicker. They want things that they can sit down and read in one sitting. So who better to write that than us? Right. Or, you know, a novella or just a super fast moving novel. We're perfect to write it. And then when you hit great success in the New York Times bestseller list <laughs> you know, and someone finds you or you're just really popular on Goodreads or whatever and some producer happens to stumble across your book, hey, I already have a screenplay. Right. You know, here it is. I've already got it adapted. Right. Um, I actually, the episode prior to this one uh, was a writer named Ian Shore who wrote the screenplay of a new film called Infinite, which is coming out from Paramount in August. Oh, and Infinite is based, it's starring Mark Wahlberg and directed by Antoine Fuqua. But uh -huh. the it's based on a, a self-published novel that the producer had found in a cafe in Sweet. Nepal. Sweet. And, and, and the writer has no idea how the 
novel got there, but I guess he had written in it uh, in the foreword or something like that, that if you help him get it made, meaning published, not mm. not because uh, uh, it was self-published, yeah. then he would uh, give you a cut or something like some random offer. Yeah. But again, a producer happened to be it was this uh, cafe in Nepal and it was just I guess they had a loaning library or something like that. Anyway, he found the book. I guess, read the description, liked it, read it, loved it. And then all of a sudden that started the whole process of getting a writer. And and it was a self-published novel, again, sitting in a cafe. That's fantastic. Look, so, I, I actually have, I run an Airbnb um, uh, in a little neighboring town on a lake. It's really cute. But one of the things that I did when I first set it up was I, I messaged out all my friends who were self-published authors. I'm like, if you want to send me a book, I'll stick it on the bookshelf. Oh, very you know? cool. Because you have no idea who's exactly like you said. You have no idea who's in there reading it. Right. And then a lot of a lot of them went off. And and I even tell them if you like the book, feel free to take it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you pass it on to a friend. You know. No, that's great. But you you never know how somebody, and that's also too why I'm a big believer. You should be writing all different kinds of things. You know, doing the you know try a web series, try writing a an article for a magazine. I mean, I've had some producers find me because they were reading Balls of Steel, and they're right. like, "Well, if you can tell a story in an article, I'm curious. What's your script like? You know, right. and and then request a script. Like it's you just need to get your writing anything you can do to get your writing out there. You know, including having a website like. Sure. Having social media is really good, but you still need a place for somebody to learn more about you. Right, you know? right. Not just your pinned tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And and also with social media, in um, I mean, I I I feel still feel compelled to say this, even though I think everybody should know it, is that you know when you go and pitch somebody, they go and look at your social media to see what kind of you know, hot mess you might be, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, um, so people should think about that. <laughs> right. You know, like, just think about that. Like, I mean, I kind of, you know, I've had certainly phases where I'm sure I was a hot mess or, or two on, on Twitter back in the day, but, you know, you do always have to think about not only, not only it being something, everything that you say on social media, being on the, the front page of a newspaper, but, you know, that it lives forever, you know? Right. And even if you've deleted that tweet, somebody screenshot it, you right. know? <laughs> somebody think, out there. I think it goes back to your uh, quote of just don't suck, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you should be fine. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of it is, you know, like we said before, like personality and who do you want to work with? You right. know, when you start a project and it, they know it's going to take a long time to get it done, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to go back to the youth versus sort of experience, life experience uh, conversation. And you had mentioned like one of the things that you didn't think youth had uh, oftentimes was confidence, confidence in themselves yes. and their work. And I wanted to actually turn that and say, I think that, that that is absolutely true, but at the same time, I've seen a lot of newer writers have too much confidence mm -hmm. in themselves and their ideas. They think that, mm -hmm. that, that they know everything because that's, yeah. that's part of being young. You don't realize what you don't know yet. And I think that having confidence in yourself, your ability to do 
this to be a writer, to be a working professional writer someday, I think is obviously, like you said, and very important because we're nothing if not salespeople. You have to sell yeah. yourself. You have to sell your script. Uh, it, it shouldn't be that way necessarily because you're a writer. You're not a salesperson. But if you don't believe in yourself, then it's difficult to make other people believe in you. Right. That being said, confidence in your material, I think, can be dangerous because mm. a, a newer writer who believes in this material more than anything, part of that is good because you're selling it. But if it doesn't match the standards of the industry or of the person reading it, then you come across as delusional and you come across yeah. as being very inexperienced and not know what you're doing. Even the best writers, whether we're talking Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad, to uh, you name them. I mean, unless you're Aaron Sorkin, who's a genius, who probably believes he's a genius, and he is. Uh, most most writers, even talented writers, very talented writers who are very accomplished, have second doubts. Is this the right choice? Am I do you know, they, they, they agonize over everything. And I remember a quote. I don't remember who said it, but the quote goes something like, um uh writing writing is how does it go something like for a writer writing is more difficult and it's not that it's more difficult to write but be, after you've written the second guessing and the, the challenges to find just the right word those mm. types of things so for a, a, a real writer is somebody who goes back and looks at yourself and has reflection and on your material and i think that if you believe your material is perfect, then you may be in that category of being, you know, too confident in your material. Right? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake, and I've done it myself when I first started writing. Everybody does. Was sending my script out. Um, this was when my first writing partner sending our script out right away. Yeah. To like to like the biggest connection I had, mm -hmm. which was somebody like a, a VP at Lionsgate. And it was terrible. The script was terrible. It never should have. I shouldn't even have let, you know, my kid read it. Like it was like not ready. Right. But you don't know that the first time you type the end, you know, fade out, whatever. Right. You get so excited. I remember like printing it out and paper was warm in my hand. And I was like, oh, my God, I did it. It's like, no, no, no. You just have a glob of clay. Right. You know, and it's like, um. I mean, some of the things that confidence, you know, some of the things that I, you know, that changed me in my life. I, I, my blog, when I first started out, it said ramblings of a recovering insecure holic, mm -hmm. you know, and there's, you know, a part of learning to be confident is understanding that you're not confident, right. you know, to really, to really analyze that and like, why am I not confident, you know? And, um, but sometimes ignorance is bliss because you don't realize how hard this career is going to be. Sure. Um, but there is a, there is that, I think for me, the confidence is that it's essential when it comes to being confident enough to shake someone's hand firmly, to ask for what you want, to try to get meetings, to, to extend yourself beyond your comfort zone. Sure. Absolutely. But having too much confidence in your writing when your writing isn't good, or it could be better is there's room for improvement in it. You know, that takes us to the discussion of notes. Yeah. You know, how do you take notes and what do you choose to fix and not fix? How defensive do you get? You know, I had, you know, somebody years ago um, asked me to give him notes and I don't 
do it often, you know, with, with any more, but, um, uh, it's really good to read other people's work and to see what you think as part of your own learning to read other people's work and to give people's notes and give people notes and to, to be like, okay, this is where I can see an opportunity that maybe you missed or now, right now, I hate this character. You, I've told, you've totally lost me. I'm not rooting for you anymore. And, you know, what I did was, I mean, you know, he's a great guy, really talented writer. And, but I wrote, I took, printed it out and I scribbled all over it. Like, you know, writing what I was feeling about his story as I was reading it. And, um, and then I, I read it like twice and went through everything that I spent like an hour writing up an email to him where I was really just brutally honest and, you know, maybe not as gentle as I should have been, but, um, I warned him ahead of time. I don't really know how to do that. Like, you know, I'm not good at the gentle thing. Right. Right. And because I don't, I don't have a lot of time. So when I, when I'm going to give somebody notes, I just get right down to it. I, I give notes the way I want to get notes. Is that always right? Probably not. Like I, you know, but I like people to just cut right to the chase. Like what's, you know, what's the problem and uh, you know, or don't, I, and I don't necessarily, I don't want people to tell me how to fix it. I just want, tell me like what, what didn't work here for you, you know, and then it's my job to figure out how to fix it. And so I sent him this email and then he tweeted out, um, saying that he just got feedback on a script and that he was crying. And, and I thought, Oh my God, I did not want to do that. Like I was trying to be helpful. I, I wasn't trying to, to hurt his confidence, you know? Sure. And then I sent him an email and I said, Hey, look, I just want you to know I, I'm, I'm mailing you the physical script. You should, it's, it's already in the mail. And when you get the physical script with my notes on it, I really think it's going to all make sense. So just breathe. Don't do any rewrites. Don't do anything until you get the physical script. And when I got the, he got the physical script, he immediately sent me an email back. He's like, Oh my God, I get it now. I get what you were saying. I, I understand, you know, and then he completely, you know, did what he wanted, but wasn't like I need, he needed to take any, my advice, you know, like that's not the point of notes. It's about just getting another perspective, you know, right. of doesn't mean the note giver is right. It, it, you know, it just means that here's just another way to look at it. And I remember getting notes from unknown screenwriter on a very a much earlier version of slavery by another name. And I remember him saying to me, you know, I think you should put the sun in the scene. You know, and I'm thinking, God, I really like this scene, but I got to do the whole thing over again, you know, but I was like, okay. And, um, and so I'm having and hawing and thinking and digesting. And, and one of my other friends goes, this scene is great. Why would you do that? You don't need to do that. That's ridiculous. You don't need to do that. And I said, no, you know, there was a reason he gave me that note. And I don't know what the reason is yet, but I'm going to write the scene with a son in it. And maybe it'll, cause what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I, I don't use it. So, so what? I wrote a scene that I don't use. Like, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> you know, like, right, right. It's going to happen all the time. So I wrote, I, I, and I think this is an important, you know, comment that you might not understand why somebody gives you the note. So it's like the note behind the note, like figuring out what that is. And so once I wrote it, it not only made sense to me why he gave me that note, it made the story better. And also I did things in the scene that he didn't anticipate. So when I sent him the, the scene back, he's like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. But that's another reason you should have done. This is great. You know? So, I mean, don't be afraid to try something different that, you know, and I think that speaks to confidence, maturity, not being defensive, you know, just knowing that the people who are giving you notes 
aren't trying to hurt you. They're trying to help you and they're trying to give you a different perspective. And I think that can get lost on some people and it, and even some more mature people, more older people, like it's not just a, a young person thing. It's, there's a lot of people, um, who, uh, could approach notes in a more humble way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And what you had said about getting notes and getting other people to read your uh, script is very important. And we talk about overconfidence in your material. I think that a way to overcome that is to have other people read your material and get feedback and not just your parents and your family and your close friends, but other writers. Yes. Uh, People who read and also write who can explain to you what, why they think that, you know, find the issues, you know, people, not just people who love you and will tell you it's great, but people who will be at least somewhat critical. And if you can get those people to agree that your script is good, then maybe you've got something. But yep. it, it, it's always the people who, my mom said it was great, or, you know, I, yeah. three, three of my high school classmates said it was great well that's not necessarily the same level because hollywood agents and managers and executives and produ- they don't grade on a curve they don't look at you like well <laughs> you're you know you're only 21 you just got out of college this is really good for a 21 year old no you're yeah. going up up against oscar winners emmy nominees you're going up against people who make a lot of money doing this and have been doing it for 20 30 years they don't look at you and say i want to hire this kid or i want to sign this kid because he's pretty good for his age or she's you know, got a lot of talent. I can see it. No, it, until you show them what you can do and you can compare at that level, y- you still have a long way to go. So. Totally, totally. And you think about, and I know I could hear somebody listening to this right now saying, mm-hmm. well, how do I find people to read my scripts? Sure. You know, how do I find other writers? And, you know, when we first started out, you know, we would use people that we just knew, you know, because right. we didn't know anybody. And, Twitter really changed the game for a lot of writers. And yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate right now. Twitter's very different than it was in 2009. I miss the 2009 Twitter where people were just, you know, there was, the world was different. People were really positive and there wasn't all this, you know, yeah, cancel culture and, and people afraid to say anything, you know, I'm, I'm, definitely not as active on social media as I used to be Um, just because you get on there and you just see all this toxic stuff flying around and it's like, Oh my God, like, (laughs) you know, you just kind of take a little step back or you start using uh, tweet deck so you can create columns of people so that, you know, you can just see the people you're, you know, who are really just talking about writing still, you know? Um, and that's one, that's one social media tip. Cause I do that. Like I have, you know, I have a favorite column, but it's not about, for me, it's not about filtering it. So I'm only hearing one opinion, you know, I don't care about all those different opinion, people's opinions. I think different opinions are great and, you know, politically and otherwise, but, um, it's because I really, when I go on Twitter, I'm, I want to connect with the writers, you know, and talking about writing and craft and, and, you know, career. So, um, I do have some, uh, filtered stuff so that I can really pay attention to those, those topics that I'm interested in. And, um, but that's like one of the reasons we started script chat was so that screenwriters had an opportunity to build a network. You know, we had a tag, we have two taglines. One is it's not a competition, it's a community. And the other is um, bring your tequila and leave your ego behind, (laughs) you know? (laughs) 
and um and we wanted to create this platform where people could screenwriters could come together one hour a week on Sundays and um and just talk about the craft and get professional writers and industry people to come on and be guests and people could learn and it didn't cost anything and and then so before you know it you've made friends with other writers and then it starts being like, well, I've got to, you know, I just finished my first draft. Does anybody want to read it? Is anyone available to give notes? And then that's how you first start. That's how I first started meeting other screenwriters to exchange my work with. And then as you're, you're around it more and you start meeting more people, then, you know, I always encourage people to try to find somebody who's a little bit farther along than them in, in terms of craft Mm -hmm. to, to give them notes you know, because then you're going to raise to that level. Then it's going to elevate you because they're going to point out things that that somebody somebody who is at your level may not have known. So as you're climbing in your skill level, keep trying to find that screenwriter who's just a little bit more advanced than you and just, you know, keep um, working like that and always, always, always pay it forward. So yeah. if you've got somebody who's been giving you notes, turn, ask them, look, what can I do for you? And it might be something that has nothing to do with writing, but something that is helpful to them. Or, you know, and, you know, don't don't tweet Aaron Sorkin and ask him to read your script, you know, and give right. you notes. But like, you know, be realistic. And but then once you become that better screenwriter, give notes to somebody who's starting out, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's you know, always remember that you you were a beginner once. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and I wanted to add that when I mentioned that some, a lot of, a lot, but a lot of younger screenwriters, newer screenwriters in general, but it, they tend to skew younger about being overconfident in the material. I don't, not trying to discourage anybody at all. I'm, I think that if you believe in yourself and you work hard and you continually improve, you can make it. I mean, there, every, there are screenwriters being signed every day. There are screenwriters selling material every single day. So don't, please don't take what I'm saying as uh, as a negative, but I'm just trying to help you hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that I, and it sounds like you have made yeah, ourselves so that you're not submitting material when it's not ready yet. Just because something isn't ready though, doesn't mean it never will be, you know, just and, because it's not to the point where it should be sent out. Doesn't mean the idea is not great. Doesn't mean there's some great parts to it. Just keep working at it until you're confident and you've gotten great feedback and it's ready to go to other people. Yeah. And there's, you know, like I started off getting other screenwriters reading my stuff. And then, you know, there's, there's that controversy out there. Like our script consultants worth it, Sure, you know, or there, is it a scam? There are a lot of screenwriters who put up a shingle of being a script consultant and they're no different than you. And those are not the people you should be, you know, getting notes from for money. And, um, but there's there's a lot of you know great consultants out there um and I'm not going to name them um but there are a lot of really great consultants and I always and I have hired some for myself in the beginning before I was able to have that level that higher level screenwriter read my work because I just didn't have anybody in my network at that level right you know right. so I have hired script consultants and I looked at it the same way I looked at hiring a physics tutor for my kids you know, like I didn't know anything about physics. I couldn't help my kids with physics. So I had to hire somebody to help them with physics and so that they could pass the class, you know, and I look at it the same way. Like if I don't know enough about if at that time, didn't know enough about screenwriting. I didn't have know anybody in my real world who knew enough about screenwriting to actually, you know, help me. So I looked at it like I was hiring a tutor, 
you know? And so if you are going to hire a script consultant, look at their testimonials, get recommendations from friends, like do your due diligence so that you're sure you're hiring somebody who, um, you know, has industry experience, is qualified, is going to give you really helpful, you know, notes, not, you know, and you're, again, you're not looking for them to solve your problem. That's your job to solve the story problem, but you're looking at them to point out things that maybe you hadn't thought about. Right. And give you hopefully good career advice and and, yeah. and point you in the right direction and things like that. Absolutely. And don't hire one that says I can get your script sold. Cause that, that, or even that, that even if they say I will get your script read by agents or man, because they can't yeah. say that without having worked with you and read you and, Right. If they're saying it without prior to this as a selling point, then either they're just shotgunning material out to everybody because right. their reputation will be shot because they're going to have a ton of material out there that's not high quality. Yep. Or it's a lie. One yep. of the two. So red flag, red flag. <laughs> right. And some of the some of the good script consultants I know have told me they on occasion will pass a script on to a manager or an agent but they don't use that as a selling point and they don't right. promise it because they don't know where you're at. They don't know what material you're putting out uh, or where it's going to end up. So, and also they don't, they can't promise it because if they've never worked with you, they don't know if your personality sucks. Sure. Absolutely. So they, it's their reputation on the line. Anytime that they hand a script on to somebody else. So they don't, they don't, you know, any decent script consultant is never going to promise that because they're they're You know, they, you, they can't, they, they have no idea what you're like. So yeah, they're, they, some, I feel like they get a bad rap and some of them deserve it. And, but a lot of the, the, you know, there's a bunch of them who are really wonderful and, and don't deserve the rap. Yeah. I mean, you if know? you're going to do it, uh, just do your research. Like you said, yep. I think that's the most important thing. There is sort of a, a pushback against any sort of script consultant, like you say, but if you think about it, if you want to be a chef, if you want to be a mechanic, if you want to be an engineer, they all go to school and they all pay for it. Yep. So there's. And there's pushback on, you right. know, there's been pushback on paying for anything that has to do with writing. That's you know? true. And um, because all you need is a laptop and your fingers or a pen and a pad of paper. And, and that's true. But there's a lot of people who um, have succeeded and maybe they didn't take screenwriting in college or whatever, but they had that. It's, it, you know, it's that network. Doors open for them because they went and got an education somewhere. Right. You know, and um so there's, I think it's a little too, I, I could understand the philosophy and in, you know, in a unicorn leprechaun world, that's awesome, but, um, it's not necessarily, uh, accurate, right. you know? Well, um, if you want to be a chef, you can go learn from maybe you have someone in your family who is a good cook and you can, they can teach you, which is great. Or you can experiment on your own and spend years trying to figure out your own recipes and your own style and how to do things your own way. Or you can go to culinary school and get it done in a couple of years. And I think that that's sort of, you know, if you go to film school or take screenwriting courses, maybe you don't need a script consultant. Maybe you still do. Right. It depends. But if you don't have that knowledge and you don't have somebody in your corner that's teaching you, that's more experienced than you. And you don't want to spend years and years and years developing and craft, figuring things out yourself because you can. You can read screenplays and watch movies and continually try drafts of scripts and keep working at it. And each one will get better and better. Or you can, which you'll probably have to do some of that anyway, get a script consultant. And again, I'm not promoting 
anyone to do that. I'm just saying that there are good ones out there and, you know, it can help some writers. You know, who yeah. And have... I think if you get in the, the, it, it's really, um, and again, some of this is luck, you know, like if you happen to like, if, like you at USC, I'm yeah. sure you've got tons of friends who you know are qualified to read your work yeah. because you have those connections because you went to, to film school. And like I didn't, I, you know, my first book was screenwriting for dummies. So what the hell did I know? You know, right. <laughs> I, I didn't have anybody in my own personal network. So I felt like for me, that was the quickest way for me to, to, you know, figure out. And did I hire bad script consultants in the beginning? Yes. Absolutely. Did right. I waste some money? Absolutely. You know, until I, until I learned better, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, but I also went to Cornell hotel school and learned how to, you know, run a restaurant. So right. I didn't just get up and buy that motel and restaurant and say, okay, I'm going to run a restaurant now without having any experience, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, you gotta, you, there's, you have to learn and everybody learns differently. And some people are super good at being self-taught and, um, and some people like that formal education. I mean, it's like a personal thing, I think. And, and, you know, as a practical person and a mother of college students, um, you know, if you're going to go to school for, to get an MFA in screenwriting, make sure it's a school that can also give you those networking opportunities or else you're going to get a lot of student loan for student debt for, very little return right and it's same true with, with screenwriting competitions you should oh, enter the ones that are worth their money and not you know i mean no offense to the sarasota springs you know screenwriting contest i don't know if that exists but if it does i apologize <laughs> but you know enter sundance enter austin enter nickel those are worth your money because those are what the industry pays attention to not you know the boise idaho film festival screenwriting right. competition no offense to boise idaho a great city yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, you've got to, it's the same thing. You've got to do your research, see what the results are. And, you know, even with screenwriting contests, it's, you don't see a lot of huge success stories come out of them. Sure. But it's really about creating that. I think maybe if, if people adjust their expectation of them, um, like, okay, so you, you have this script that, you know, there can be a screenplay that can win a screenwriting contest, a really great screenwriting contest, you know, but never get made but it will be an amazing writing sample and it Absolutely. gets attention, you know? Um, so an agent might read it and say, Hey, I can't sell this because this is not going to put, you know, seats in the chair, but it's a real, this person can write, you know? And if I can just guide them to write again, the right concept, they, they, they will be able to execute it well, you know? So right. and it's also kind of interesting to enter them to see where you kind of fit you know, in the, in the, in the stack. Absolutely. But if you enter something like the nickel and, you know, you do well in the nickel, your phone is going to be ringing to read your work, you know? So you also have to be always, always ready to answer the question, whether it's a screenwriting contest success or, or whether you're in a pitch meeting, um, uh, what else have you got? Yeah, absolutely. That question, that question is going to come. They want to make sure. And, you know, and also like if it's your first screenplay, do not say it's your first screenplay <laughs> right. because if you're some, some, I don't know, some freak genius, amazing writer and your first screenplay is incredible. And then they, then they find out it's your first screenplay. They're going to be so afraid you can't duplicate that. Right. You know? And right. that, so it's, it, you know, the, the, the expression, I have things in various stages of development is always a good one. <laughs> yeah. And even if it is your first, like you'd said, and they know like you 
sign with a manager or an agent and sure. they that's all you have, they will want other ideas. So have a ton of them. And a lot of them could be bad, but have a ton of other ideas ready to pitch. Yep. So. Yep. Always. And also, like, I don't know. I mean, they don't really exist, you know, as much anymore. I mean, I know, you know, you and I met each other in person for the first time at a, at a uh, screening conference um, that is no longer in existence. Mm-hmm. But like, like Great American Pitch Fest, I used to go to all the time. And then there's that whole other debate about like, are Pitch Fest a ripoff and, you know, all that. And, you know, are you going to sell your screenplay at a Pitch Fest? Um, no. no. Like the, the odds of that are, you know, you probably do have better odds of winning, you know, mega bucks than that. Um, but that's not what they're, I've never told people to go to a sc- Pitch Fest to sell their p- screenplay. I've told people to go to Pitch Fest to learn how to pitch. Right. Because when you're sitting there, like Great American Pitch Fest, the pitch pitching event used to last like seven hours. And every they would break for lunch, but every five minutes that cowbell would ring and you're in front of somebody else. And you do that for seven hours and you pitch. By the time you're waiting in line and, and getting to pitch table, I think the most pitches I ever got in in one of those events was 18 pitches. So you do 18 five-minute pitches in a day in front of all different kinds of executives looking for all different kinds of things. And then you come back the next year and you do the same thing. And the next year and you do the same thing. You are going to become so comfortable pitching. And that's a huge part of your job as right. a writer. Well, it is goes to back to being a salesperson. Yeah. Exactly. And so for me, I find it sad that a lot of these pitching events don't exist anymore because that's why people, should, writers should be going to them just to learn how to pitch. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back and say about script consultants. I'm not promoting script consultants. If you have the money, I think that they can potentially be a good resource. But obviously do your research. But regarding pitch fest, I've never been to a pitch fest. And I think what you're saying sounds great. What my concern, I guess, with pitch fest that I have heard of is that you do pitch and you will get better. But if you don't get feedback, it might necess- it might not be as productive for some people, but depending on how much it costs, it's to the point where you could literally pitch friends and at least get feedback. I don't know if that's, again, I've never been to a, a pitch lot fest. Of them actually, yeah, a lot of them actually will, um, they'll not only give you feedback on your pitch, like you can even say to them, you've got five minutes. So you pit- you shouldn't pitch for more than one minute. Okay. So, so say you pitch for one minute and you can tell whether you're losing their attention and, and whatnot. Pitching in front of your friends who don't know what a producer or agent is looking for isn't always as effective. Sure. You know, a pro- and also, too, you can find out about your story idea. Like sometimes I would towards the end of the day, I'd be like, OK, let's, we've got this other story idea. Let's just pitch that and see if it, this idea even floats. You know, right, right. So we would just pitch an idea and they'd be be either like, oh, yeah, actually, you know, somebody just bought a pitch for that, you know, like, oh, okay, great. So then we know we don't have to bother with the concept. Very, very similar. So then we'd be like, okay, we don't have to do that. Like, let's move on to another idea. Right, right. sometimes We we would do it as like a learning experience of and sometimes they would say, oh, you know, it would be really interesting. I mean, you'd be surprised how many of them want to engage. I mean, they're there to find the diamond in the rough, you know? And so some of them would engage and say, well, maybe if you made that character a 20 something instead of a 40 something, or if you flipped it, made that a woman instead of a man, or if you did this or that. And, um, and then they give, sometimes they'll give you by the questions they're asking you about your story. Sometimes they give you ideas of how to elevate the story, change it, make it better, Hmm. you know? 
um, there's you, there's a surprising amount of give and take in those conversations. And if they, especially when they get the feeling that you really do know story and, and you can tell, like you, a lot of people go to the pitching events or they're there with their first screenplay and those producers know it and they, and so they're not as engaged. So when somebody sits down in front of them who they can clearly tell, understand story, has a good story concept or whatever, they get excited and they're happy to have a conversation with you. Hmm. Okay. And you can get a lot of information in five minutes. Right. Right. But like I said, these events don't really exist, you know, for screenwriters right now, you know, there's hmm. a void of them. There's, there might be a couple left, but um, there used to be a ton of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of a lot of them. I just have never partaken. And the, the feedback I've gotten from the other side, not necessarily writers, I've never really spoken to anyone who's been to them, but from the other side, managers. Is, you have now. It, it, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is that, like you had said, a lot of times the manager or whoever they're, is getting pitched to can tell it's their first screenplay and their eyes glaze over and they know it's not going to be, you know, in other words, for a number of managers I've spoken to to have been to these pitch fests, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, yeah, in the back of their head, there's always a chance, but it's, it's really, they're getting paid. They're going to show up. They're going to hear some pitches. And, you know, if they get struck by lightning, maybe they'll get lucky, but it rarely happens. But like you said, if you go into it with the expectation, even though they don't tend to exist very much anymore, that you're honing your skill as a writer in terms of your pitching style and ability and that's honing that particular pitch as the forefront. And then maybe if lightning strikes, you can get lucky and get representation or whatever. I guess that's not uh, wholly uh, unreasonable, I guess I should say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, everything in life is about managing your expectations. Yeah. You know, and also for me, it's always about, you know, that and about, you know, even if, even if something you think just sucks and this wasn't worth my time or whatever, there's always something you can get out of it, you know? And so sometimes at the pitching event, okay, maybe you got no requests for your script. You know, you spend a lot of time learning how to pitch. Maybe you learned all the things that were wrong about your story. Maybe you found out, I mean, I've seen people, you know, what I call writer roadkill, you know, on the side in, in a ball, like crying because, you know, there's apparently a story just like theirs that was just sold and theirs will never get made. Or, or every producer told her that, you know, that story was just not a good idea. Like, don't, you know, you're never going to sell that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but that hurts to hear. But, um, you know, if 18 out of the 18 people you pitch said the same thing, then maybe you should stop working on that story and start working on something else. Yeah. They just saved you some time. I mean, there's a silver lining to, to even, you know, something like that. Right. Now, sort of like when I buy a cookbook, I'm just looking for one decent recipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but talking, you have per personally submitted to and become finalist in a number of screenplay competitions, as well as you had mentioned going to pitch fests and screenwriting conferences and this and that. Uh, we talked about uh, script consultants. I think part of the problem for writers in, in dealing with paying for things is a couplefold. One, there's a lot of, I don't want to say scammers, but people who are not necessarily 
qualified. You're not getting your money's worth when you're pitching to somebody who's basically one level above you. They were an intern at some production company and that that's their calling card. And so it's difficult to know where you can spend your money and have it be worthwhile. Two, I think that there's the expectation because I you can do it yourself. And you can, yeah. certainly. There's plenty of writers who never went to, to film school, never took a screenwriting course, never had a script consultant or went to a pitch fest. There's plenty of writers like that, especially if they're older, because a lot of the stuff didn't exist back then. But right. uh, there's a lot of people who make it without doing any of that. And you're that's a wholly valid way of doing it if yep. you can do that. And also, three, it's a lot of writers, especially... I don't even want to say younger writers, but a lot of with the economy, a lot of people don't have a lot of disposable income, a lot of money to just throw at something, especially if there's you have no guarantee if it's going to help you not necessarily just sell something, but become a better writer. What is worth their while in your personal experience? What if somebody has a little bit of money and they want to invest in their screenwriting career and they want to get that boost somewhere and have it be worthwhile what is again having had the experience that you experiences you've had being as involved in in the industry as you are uh, having as many contacts as you have and speaking to as many writers new and old young and experienced together combined what to you are the the most uh effective ways to utilize what money they have if they're going to decide to invest? And that's a really tough question because I don't like spending other people's money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even like telling my children how to, how to spend their money. Um, you know, I think that starting off, the best thing to do is to learn as much as you can for free. There's so many ways to learn for free now, you know, yeah. there's all these incredible YouTube videos and listening to your podcast and, mm -hmm. and reading screenplays. Like you go on, um, uh, Scott Myers, go into the story and the blacklist site has a whole bunch of screen screenplays you can download. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I mean, just read, read, read. I would also say like take a screenplay, find a movie that you love and get the screenplay to it and watch the movie while you're reading the screenplay. And you can see the difference between, you know, what, what is on the page and how it ends up on the screen, or maybe what's on the page that never ended up on the screen, you know, like understanding the business side of it, not just the writing side of it. Understand when you write, write that scene that's, you know, in a rainy day, and the, but at the beginning of the scene, there's no rain, and then it starts to rain during the course of the scene, and then all of a sudden it's pouring rain, that, like, that's going to cost a lot of money to film. You know, take your – take one of the best things to do, best learning experiences, is to shoot a short film. And you don't have to do it with, like – you could do a crowdfunder, raise money, all that, but – you could also just grab your iPhone, grab some kids in the in your you know the high school theater class or college theater, um, go and you know shoot something so you can see what it feels like because it, the difference about screenwriting than novel writing is you have to put something on the page that someone else is going to translate into something visual. So, you know, when you put something on the page as a novelist, you're just trying to spark creativity and imagination in someone's mind, and they visualize the scene in their mind. Very different than than if you're going to make your your screenplay into a short, 
um, I would, I, when I did that, I chose to, I had a script and I chose to get a director, a cinematographer, an editor, you know, line producer, everybody else that was not me. I produced the, I raised the money for it and I was the writer. I wanted to see what it felt like. It wasn't about, I want this great short film at the end of it. I didn't really care how it turned out, you know, but I wanted that experience of having somebody else interpret my words, actors interpret them, the director interpret them, the, the cinematographer, and you know, set the shots, all of that and lose control because, you know, when you're a screenwriter, you're going to lose control. You don't have control over anything. You know, once you hand them the script, the blueprint's over, you know, right. and somebody else is going to do it. So you can do that in a free way by just grabbing your iPhone and just shooting something with a bunch of people, you know, just to kind of learn from that. You can, you know, thinking about all the different ways that don't cost a lot of money, you know, you can, you've got a script and you've, you've, you know, you think it's ready. Well, hand it to some actors and have them read it out loud. Right. And you'll see that it's not ready, you know, and there's a lot of, again, schools that will do that. They're happy to do it. There's even theater groups. There's, you know, you know, retired actors or whatever, people who are involved in your little, in your little town, even if your town has got like one traffic light, like mine has, we, we have a fabulous film festival and they do readings and we get actors coming up from New York city, you know, to some of them, very famous ones sitting there, you know, reading scripts of just little hobunk town writers, you know, in my town. Mm. Um, it's very, you know, film festivals can be a really cool thing. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't have a lot of money, go to Austin film festival and just hang out at the Driscoll bar. You don't even need to go buy a pass. You just Mm. go hang out at the bar. Everybody ends up at that bar. You can network, hang out with writers, all of that all for days and it doesn't cost you more than the drinks you know you can there's you you've got to just be creative about um when you go to like say you go to a conference say you go to austin you go to all the panels and you pay for your badge you know or you're going to go more like if you're going to something in la like if you were going to some sort of event film festival or something in la stay a couple days after you know, try to beat with all the people you met on Twitter in person. And then that takes that elevates because a lot of succeeding in this industry is more than just craft. It's about networking. So if you hang around a little couple of days after an event or even what say your day job, say you travel a lot on your day job, you end up in Chicago and D.C. and, you know, Texas and L.A., you know, Seattle, wherever you are you probably have Twitter or Facebook followers and friends who live in those places who are writers. So grab a cup of coffee with them. Yeah. You know, it's whenever I'm in LA, I gain five pounds because I never eat alone. I literally, I will have coffee with somebody. I'll have breakfast with somebody in the morning. Then I'll have lunch with somebody. Then I'll have coffee in the afternoon. Then I'll have dinner with somebody and then I'll have drinks with somebody else. And the other thing I do because it's really about not sucking. It's about being a really good person. And that paying it forward thing, I can't stress it enough. Like when I go out to LA, um, I haven't done it in a while because I've been, uh, the last few times I've been out there, I've been going to teach at Central Coast Writers Conference, which, which is a great writers conference, but it doesn't leave me in actual LA for very long. I just kind of pass through it. But 
when I do go out, I try to say, okay, I've got this friend who's an actor. I've got this friend who's a casting director. I've got this friend who's a writer. I've got this friend who's a director. I've got this friend who's a cinematographer. You know, what, who, which one of these people would want to meet the other person? Like what person would help, help their life? would help make their life a little easier. And then I try to invite all of those people to go to one restaurant for drinks on one night at a specific time so that a group of people can get together and they're not there just to see me. They're there to meet and network with new people that who they've never met and I'm bringing together. That doesn't cost me anything. Right, right. You know, it's those are the kinds of things that I spend a lot of time doing. And and then I just spend a lot of time you know, finding a mentor doesn't cost you anything. It's just, it's like I wrote an article about finding screenwriting mentor and also one about how to work with a screenwriting mentor. So like if they've given you notes, you know, it's about not being defensive. It's about, you know, like I'll give you an example. Um, Doug Richardson, who wrote Die Hard 2, Bad Boys Hostage, whatever. I met him on Twitter. And um, he, after about six months of knowing me, I never, I don't, like, you can't ask people, for, can you be my mentor? You know, like, it's it's usually imposing, you know, sure. if you, especially if you don't have a prior relationship with them. So become friends first, be a good human being, you know? And he was reading my Balls of Steel columns, and he was reading my, my regular blog, and he was like, God, you know, this girl can tell a story, I want to read her script. And uh, so he asked me to read Slavery. And he gave me some notes and I was honored that he read it and he gave me great notes. And then a couple months and I was doing a rewrite and a couple months went by and he, you know, calls me up and he goes, Hey Gene, you know, did you finish that rewrite? I'm like, Oh yeah, I finished it. And he's like, well, aren't you going to send it to me? And I'm like, I would never presume that it, that, that you would want to read it again. You already gave me notes. Like, I appreciate that. You know, he's like, no, 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 I, I, I want to read it. I was like, okay. So I send it back to him and he's calls me well, up within a couple hours and said, um, I love the way you took notes. I love the way the things that you chose to ignore, the things that you chose to address, the way you chose to address things in a way I never anticipated. And, and then he said, I want to produce it, you know, and obviously we never got the, got it made, but still it was then that he invited me to his house and we sat there for a week with a, you know, index cards and a, and a cork board redoing the structure and doing all this kind of stuff. And he's teaching me and he's like, he's telling me what, you know, giving me some ideas or we would talk about a, a concept, a theory of how to write something. And, and then he'd be like, okay, go write for about three, four pages and come back. And then I'd literally just go, there's a picture of me doing exactly that on uh, script magazine. I'm sitting on this big leather couch that Bruce Willis used to sit on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> during the diehard days and I'm writing and then I would take my laptop over to him and I'd sit in a stool next to him and then he would look at what I wrote and he would say okay this 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 and this this is how you could do this and some of it was just some of it was formatting tips to make it a faster read some of it was just hey you know like you know he talked to me about character descriptions this is somebody who's worked with you know top actors so he knows what an actor is looking for when they look at character descriptions. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's the one area you've got some wiggle room. An agent is going to go right to that description and say, is this something my, my client wants to, wants to be in? So make that description of the character the best thing on the page. You know, like things like that that I wouldn't know because I haven't worked with actors and agents, you know? Right, right. And that 
didn't cost me anything. I used air miles to fly to LA. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so there there are things you can do. You yeah. just have to be creative and and you know, you can never miss an opportunity when you're in a different town to find a writer in that town that who's in your social network right. and and meet them. Right. Well, and I think wrapping up here, uh, the moral of this discussion, it seems, is it's there are many, many ways that you can improve as a writer, uh, both in terms of your skill and ability level, as well as your career trajectory, without spending a lot of money. Yep. Um, and I think that's important to note. I don't want this to seem like I'm pushing anyone towards spending money on anything you don't have to but at the same time if you have the ability to and you found someone good uh, like a script consultant or a reader even like if you don't have anyone qualified to read you or a good screenplay competition like a nickel or something like that don't be wholly adverse if you have the resources to do so to invest in yourself invest in your career again that being said you absolutely do not need to and most writers in fact the majority of probably working writers today did not hire a screen script consultant and things like that but everyone's circumstances is different if you don't have the contacts and you're able to find someone good and you have the resources to do it you know again i know a number of working television writers that have used gone to you know independent screenwriting courses and i say independent meaning you know they're taught by professional writers right exactly or hired a script consultant and actually gotten uh wins at screenplay competitions and they credited it to the screenplay uh the uh, script consultant and become writers professional writers and i know that based on on uh their track record and also speaking with individual writers so it can work but it's not for everybody and you have to do your research and again you don't have to spend money you can do it on your own I want yeah. to make that clear. And if you, right, absolutely. And if you've got an agent or a manager, they are your script consultant. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're giving you, you're not paying them to be a consultant, but they get a cut of what you're, you know, what they can sell. And, and they, they want you to succeed. It's in their best interest for you to succeed. So they're going to give you great notes and, and, you know, and, and they don't make money until you do. Right. So, I mean, so professionals do have a sort of, you know, consultant per se, you know, it's, I mean, I think it's, what's really like the bottom line is like your own comfort level um, and the kind of network you have, uh, yeah. you know, and I don't think you should be shamed into doing one thing or another, like, no. I, you know, trust your gut and do what's right for you. And, um, you know, if you live in, you know, not to pick on Boise, Idaho, but if you, <laughs> but if you live in the middle of nowhere and you've got like, you know, and there's nobody around that you can find, you know, you shouldn't feel like, reaching out to somebody and, and paying for their services is, is something that is, you know, taboo and you shouldn't do, you know, no. but, but I still, but it's think not that... a golden ticket either. People think, Oh, Absolutely. if I hire a script consultant, then I'm good. And that's not the case at all. That's Absolutely. just one step. If you want to do that. And there are far more, you know, ones out there that you should be wary of than that, you know, so really, really, really do your research. Like anytime you spend your money, like right. we think about when you buy a TV, you go on, you go online and you look at reviews, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Like if you wouldn't buy one that every review you saw was one star, you know, right, <laughs> you right. Know? You would avoid that one. It's the same thing, you know, right. You or even the one that doesn't it. have any reviews. Right. Yeah. Like, hmm, and it's the price seems good, but there's no reviews, and I've never heard of this company. 
Exactly. Buyer um, beware, always. Yeah, and I also think that the first thing you do when you're starting out should not necessarily be spend lots of money on a script consultant. Do a lot of the things that you had mentioned, like read a bunch of scripts, network on Twitter, try to talk to other writers and meet other writers in your community if you can. Those types of things should be first and foremost, and yep. those are all free. So, And also, you know, not for nothing, but I really want people to, I really want to stress this and I want people to really think about it, about like getting outside of your comfort zone. Like, yeah. you know, taking your screenplay, writing it as a novel, try poetry, try writing haiku, try writing a short story, try writing all different kinds of things. If you're a screenwriter and you've never done filmmaking, make a short film. Like, you know, just do, try being the director. Like, you know, because writer directors, I mean, if I could go back and do it all over again, I, you know, I would learn more about being a director. And like, it's, I just think that you might, by trying something new and different, you're not stuck with the first thing you try to write, you know, whether it be a novel, whether it be a screenplay, but that you don't have to stay in that path. You can write anything, you know, and, um, and you should, because you might realize that, you know what? Being in writing a novel is a really awesome thing to do in between writing some screenplays because I have full control over this. It's not going to cost millions of dollars to get this made and require hundreds of people and the stars to be aligned just right. I can produce this by self-publishing it all by myself. And and it's, you know, empowering, it's liberating, and then you feel like your work is at least being read by someone as opposed to just sitting on your laptop. And you've got a book that you can hold in your hand. I mean, just saying, I think people should try it. Right. Well, JVB, Jeannie Bowerman, <laughs> thank you so much for You're coming welcome. onto the podcast. Uh, you can follow uh, Jeannie on Twitter. It's at JeannieVB. That's J-E-A-N-N-E-V-B on Twitter. Uh, and what, what is your website? Is it just your name? It's GenieVB.com. Oh, there you go. GenieVB.com. Thank you, JVB, as I call you. Yeah. Uh, and as always, You're welcome. And as always, thank you guys for listening. We make this podcast to help you writers on your journey, and we appreciate you listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star rating. It really does help encourage us to keep making new episodes for you, and we really do appreciate it. Thank you again. Uh, and always, always be writing. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.